Welcome. Today I want to talk about my skin cancer journey. And this happened uh, when the baby was about nine months old. So it was kind of fuel to the fire of my postpartum and what I feel like I used probably as an excuse um, to not get out of that slump I was in because I felt like this just added to um, to the stress and everything. But um, I just want to throw it out there for anyone else who's been through it, um, currently going through it, uh, or just to make sure people know if you have any spots that do not seem normal, get them checked out. It's worth it and better safe than sorry. So mine was simply a dry patch on my scalp that I know now was right where my calic was on top of my head. So this, the hair was probably always parted right there and just allowed the sun to beat down on that spot uh, without realizing um, when I was younger. I mean, we went on the boat a lot. Um, we were just always outside. And I don't know that I recall not wearing a hat necessarily, but it's definitely not something that I worried about daily. Um, you don't realize how much you're in the sun just going from point A to point B during your day, getting in and out of your car, you know, to check the mail, to run into Starbucks or whatnot. So the sun hits your skin anytime you're outside, basically. And so mine was just a dry patch of skin. It didn't bleed. It didn't pus. There was nothing weird about it, except that it just didn't go away. Um, I left it alone and then I've tried picking at it at one point and it would just come back. Um, it was actually my hairdresser, Brian's cousin that did my hair, that noticed it. And to be honest, she noticed it probably three different appointments that she mentioned it and I just blew it off. And finally, one day she asked me to get it looked at. And I'm like, sure, of course, yeah. And I let it go. And it was a couple months later that I needed my hair done again. And I realized I'm going to go back and she's going to ask me if I got it looked at. And I'm going to have to tell her no. So I decided to go ahead and make an appointment. Uh, got into the dermatologist. And honestly, I didn't even tell my husband about it. Because at the time, I wasn't concerned with it at all. Um, I really didn't think it was anything. And I also figured me and the doctor would have a conversation that day and then go from there. So I got in there. She took a look at it. And I don't remember what she called it, but she thought it was just um, a skin, not a tag, but basically where like a scab doesn't heal. I guess that's a thing. Your cells just don't do something correctly. Um, however, she said, just to be safe, let's take a little biopsy of it and send it in. I'd rather be safe than sorry. So I said, okay, no problem. When do you want to do that? And she said, right now. Oh, okay. Now... A little biopsy, I mean, it, you don't even know what to expect. I had no idea what to expect, and I obviously wasn't even mentally prepared. So she gave me two numbing shots in the scalp, and those probably hurt the worst, actually. And then after that, all I felt was pressure, but she literally cut a piece out, and then she had to cauterize it back together so that it would stop the bleeding, because obviously anything on your head, it just bleeds um, your head just bleeds 
I guess, easier than most parts of your body. So she had to cauterize it in order to stop the bleeding. I also bleed easy. Um, I don't know. My family's always been that way. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I should probably know about, but I bruise easy and I bleed easy. So she cauterized it. And that was the most painful thing because you could feel the heat from it. And by that time, the numbing shots had worn off. It was just meant to be quick, you know, while she cut it off. And she asked me if I wanted another one, but I just wanted her to get it finished and over with. So she cauterized it and said I should have results within a week, I believe. And I had the worst headache I had ever had in my life after that because I guess the trauma to the head I didn't realize um, and again, didn't plan for. And my mom was scheduled to come out um, a few days later, maybe the following weekend. So I let her know that that's what the doctor said. She's just having it tested. You know, she doesn't even think it's cancer. She just wants to be safe. I'll let my husband know. And then I think I laid down the rest of that day because I had such a bad migraine. And, um, after that it was more or less just sore. Obviously it scabbed up. Um, and it was still scabbed by the time my mom came out. Um, she was helping me clean it and stuff. And we were working and the doctor called. And again, I'm expecting nothing. So I'm not even concerned. And she says, hey, Shyla, it actually came back as basal cell. I don't even know what that is. I'm like, basal what? And I'm seriously on my computer Googling it as she's talking because I'm not a doctor, clearly. And again, was expecting it to be nothing. So I figured the call would go, hey, everything's fine, just like I thought. It was just some skin that wouldn't heal. I'll give you some ointment for it. Ta-da, we move on. So when she said it, I'm Googling it. And of course, the only thing that pops up on the internet is cancer, skin cancer. And that word is just a traumatizing word in itself. Um, I tend to downplay things that are actually bothering me. Um, so of course I just kept a cool, um, it's like no big deal. We're just going to take care of it. She said that, um, surgery is the best for basal cell because you can remove the entire, um, tumor, I guess, um, instead of doing chemo or radiation, it's a different type of skin cancer. So the best way to take care of it is by surgery. So she gets me sent to a doctor that does surgery and I make an appointment with him go in, um, for, to be honest, I don't even think I went in for a consultation with him. Um, I made the appointment just to get the surgery done. They wanted it done. And I was set to, uh, be in a wedding, I believe two weeks after that. So I asked her how important it was to do it now. And of course, she said, as a doctor, I would suggest you do it sooner than later. Um, however, I knew how it felt just to have that little biopsy done. And everything I had read on the internet for the Mohs surgery said they basically cut until it's gone. So I had no idea how much of my scalp was going to be removed. So I chose to wait until after the wedding to have it done. So I went to California, was in the wedding. Nobody knew anything. Everything was fine. I got back and um, went in for that appointment. And Brian went with me. And 
the internet doesn't prepare you for that either. (laughs) And to be honest, because I didn't really have a whole lot of time to prepare for it, uh, basically we went in and he explained to both of us how it works. And he said, you know, we're going to cut a piece. Luckily, I guess for them, the scab from the biopsy still hadn't even healed. So he knew exactly where to start cutting. And they basically do a circle and they go cut it out, look at it under a microscope. If there's still any cancer showing on any of the edges, they go back, cut more until they can look under that microscope and there's no cancer. So I'm assuming I'm going to be in a surgery, like surgical room or something where I can be comfortable. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, since they're cutting pieces of my scalp, they'll put me to sleep. No. You're awake for the entire thing. And they do it in sections where they have you go back into the waiting room between surgeries. So there were no drugs necessarily. They numbed with those shots. They numbed my scalp each time. And I guess the normal amount of numbing shots is two. And I don't know if it just didn't work great on me or what, but by the by the end of each surgery, I could still feel stuff. And mostly through the cauterizing part, which was right towards the end. And the shots were probably the worst part because that's where the headache came from. And then obviously the trauma from cutting and cauterizing, um, the smell of the burnt hair, I literally smelt for months after. It was just etched into my nose. It was disgusting. And so I went in, I think, three times. I went in, they cut a piece. Um, I would go in by myself. Brian would wait in the waiting room. Um, they would cut a piece, send me back into the waiting room. I would sit with him and, you know, play on my phone or whatever. And then they'd come out. And when they would walk out, everyone's in the waiting room. And I was the youngest person there by probably 30 years. I'm guessing probably that. Um, so they would come out and if they asked you to come back, that meant they had to cut more. And when people would come out with a bandage, uh, most people were getting it done on their face, on their nose or their ear. If they came out with a bandage, you knew they were good to go home. So we literally got to where we were celebrating when people would come out of the room with a bandage on and got to go home. Everyone in the waiting room would be like, yeah, good job, you know. And so they called me back three times, I believe. And um, every time they come out, you're waiting. And they're like, okay, come on back. And you're like, dang it. Okay. And then they're like, all right, there's still more on this lower corner, whatnot. And mind you, no different than, I don't know if anyone's gotten a tattoo before, but it always feels like they're tattooing somewhere other than where they're tattooing. Um, just your nerves. So when they're cutting my scalp, although it was on the top of my head, I swear it felt like they were cutting from my one ear lobe to the other ear and down to my nose and the back of my neck. I mean, you, the sensation is all over your body basically. And so I had no idea how big this piece was they'd cut out and they're like, okay, we got to do it again. So of course my heart sinks into my stomach again. And I'm like, okay, so get numbed up again cut another piece, cauterize it again. And mind you, they're 
cauterizing this and then having to recut what they've already cauterized each time. It makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it. And send you back to the waiting room where you sit with everybody else and wait for your results. So luckily I do believe it was the third time they called me back that they said they got it all. Um, and then they needed to stitch it up. So he gave me a couple options and his suggestion was to stitch it up, um, lengthwise where my hairline was so that once it healed, hopefully you wouldn't even notice it. Um, he said, the problem was I'm younger and my skin is, is tight. Um, a lot of the people they deal with obviously are older people that end up when they're, by the time people realize they have skin cancer, they're usually older. And so their skin is looser. Well, my skin was so tight in order to pull it together, to stitch it, I got a facelift basically. And he stitched it up. Um, he did not numb it for that, um, because he said that the numbing would just, you know, make it worse, the pain-wise long, long-term. Um, and then I found out too, I couldn't do any physical lifting or anything, pretty much anything physical for two weeks while this healed. Well, obviously, mind you guys, I had a one-year-old at the time and not even one, she was almost one. So she wasn't walking. She, you know, I had, you have to carry her everywhere. So my poor husband had to take on all the house duties, all the baby duties. Um, during that time, she ended up going to the hospital because she was sick. And we actually laughed about it. But obviously, no one knew about this. And so I just had my, my scalp bandaged. And then I would cover it up with a hat or something. And... We went to the hospital and he had to carry her diaper bag, her car seat, and I think we had my purse or something. There was something else he had, but basically he had full hands. And I was just walking behind him with my cell phone and a Starbucks in each hand. And the looks <laughs> the looks that I got because he was doing all the heavy lifting and I was just behind him texting people, drinking my Starbucks like, Badger, don't give a fuck. Um, and... <laughs> When we left, he, of course, had to make a scene about it because he's just a funny guy. And we we're walking through the hallways and he's like, babe, you could at least take the car seat or your purse. Do I have to carry everything? And people were looking at us like I was crazy and clearly a bitch. And we got to the exit of the ER and the security guards like, dude, that's your job. And so I had somebody on my side and, uh, but long story short, he had to do everything for two weeks. Well, I was very good. I mean, some people might not agree with that. Don't ask my parents. I was very good <laughs> for me at limiting what I did. Now, I have a problem not doing things. So I clearly did more than I should have. However, I ripped the stitches open. So the, the big spot they cut out that was supposed to be sewed together you never would have noticed it was now this gaping wound um right before I ripped the stitches open I was getting into the truck and I hit my head on the truck now I feel really stupid saying that <laughs> but the doctor reassured me that your equilibrium is off during this time 
Um, he may have just been being nice, but that's fine. And your depth perception, because I just had trauma to my head. So he said, that's probably why when I got in the truck, I didn't realize that the, that I was going to hit my head because I just didn't know the depth perception or whatever. Anyway, so I hit my head and caused a, there's a medical term for it, but hematoma maybe basically a bunch of blood bubbled up right there underneath the stitches and it looked like I got a knot on my head. So I had to go back into the doctor. Oh, this part gives me chills. Um, no numbing cream, no shots, no nothing. And he had to relieve the pressure of that knot, which was all blood and pus. Um, so he popped it and then squeezed it on the top of my scalp on a raw open wound. The worst pain. I would have a child again before I went through that. The worst. And then he let me leave. Well, um, the adrenaline, when he first did it, obviously kicked in. So it hurt like hell. And this place was about an hour from our house. I went by myself. Um, so I got in my car to head home. And when the adrenaline started wearing off, I literally got lightheaded and sick because then the pain kicked in. And I ended up having to pull my car over and sit on the side of the road for like 30 minutes, just bawling. I just cried my eyes out, called my mom, and um, I just wanted it all to stop. I was over the pain. I was over not being able to hold my child. I mean, she was at an age that she just wanted me all the time. And she didn't understand why I couldn't pick her up and why I couldn't, I couldn't even change her diaper because to lift up her legs to put a diaper underneath her was too much. So it was just a very traumatic time. And then the pain on top of it, um, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, I like to think, I guess, but I feel like the older I get, the less tolerant I am. <laughs> so uh, the headaches were probably the worst part. And then the pressure from the stitches pulling on my, my face and everything, it was so tight. I couldn't open my jaw all the way to chew. Um, do not sneeze. Oh my God. That felt like my brains were blowing out of my top of my head. Um, I couldn't laugh. I mean, I just couldn't make any facial movements, anything that would pull on my scalp. And obviously the idea was for it to slowly stretch out in time. But like I said, I ended up hitting it. He had to drain it. And then the stitches ended up ripping open. So it ended up <laughs> at least loosening my skin back up so I could talk and things. And when I went back in, um, he said that at the healing part that I was at, he couldn't restitch it because it, it wouldn't go back together. Um, so I basically had to leave it this gaping wound um, f until it healed. And I, I just bandaged it up. And I will say, this is not a good thing, but at least because I ripped the stitches open, I was able to pick my daughter up again because there was no worry of ripping the stitches open because they were already open. So I was able to hold her again. Um, during this time, we also had our big Halloween party. Um, if you know me and you saw the pictures, we were um, 
Jack and Sally from The Nightmare Before Christmas, me and the baby, and then Brian was the boogeyman. Um, At that party, I had just had my surgery. Um, It was fresh. I still had the stitches at that time, so if you see pictures, you'd probably notice I'm not at any point physically holding Brinley. Um, And I relied on my friends, my girlfriends, to help me set the party up, tear it down, because I didn't want to cancel life over it. And... You know, I think I needed it at that time. Um, So the party continued and (laughs) um, I didn't fully heal. I still had um, the sore at Thanksgiving when we went to Idaho to see my family. Um, My grandpa had the same surgeries um, years ago. So we (laughs) actually sat and compared scars. And I think... One of the biggest things for me um, was, as a woman, obviously, your hair just changes. So I thought I was making this up until I spoke to my doctor, but they they cut a decent-sized chunk. However, it has now healed to the point where it's not that big of a bald spot, like maybe a quarter. Um, so it is not enough to notice that hair being gone. However, I swore my hair has changed the texture. It won't grow. Um, it falls out. Uh, my scalp is super sensitive all the time now. Um, if like hair on the left side of my ear moves, the, I guess the nerves or whatever it is actually makes it feel like it's in a different spot. And I feel like there's like bugs crawling on me. It creeps me out. But I ended up talking to my doctor and he said because of the trauma from the surgery, um, it actually does change your scalp and it can cause hair loss. Um, it can cause no different than like hormones changing the texture of your hair and the color of your hair. He said it could do all of those things. So... I had just before the surgery decided to chop my hair off and make it bleach blonde. And it was the cutest haircut. I felt sassy and fun. And after the surgery, I just, like literally it felt like overnight my hair changed. And I'm like, oh, it's just because of the surgery and you can't style it, you know. So once you can style your hair again, you're going to be fine. Your hair is going to be fine. Even once I got to the point where I could style it, it it was just different. It felt different. It looked different. And I just hated it. And I've been so self-conscious over my hair since then. It didn't matter what I did to it. I tried going back dark and I'm like, okay, maybe it was the blonde. You know, maybe I bleached it too much, which is not true because when I had it done, it was perfectly fine. But I'm going out there at this point because I'm just not sure what happened. And so I dyed it dark, and through this quarantine, I have done nothing to it. I barely straighten it or blow dry it. I put it up in a pony. If it's driving me crazy, I've tried leaving it down to to help it grow. I'm on collagen and biotin and all of these things. And this poor head of hair, I'm not going to say it's a lost cause, but I feel like it is a lost cause. And... I'm not going to lie, I have moments where I feel like I just want to buzz it all off and start over. Like maybe it'll grow in different. And now I know 
where Britney Spears was at in that moment that she buzzed her hair off. Just saying. But, um, obviously, it's, as a woman, it just, um, it really affects me, how I feel about myself physically. You know, I can blow dry it and I can straighten it. And I look in the mirror and it still has this frizz texture to it. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's not dry. I live in the most humid freaking state in besides Florida, I think. Um, so it's not that it's dry. It's just changed. And where the bald spot is, it forces my hair to split, of course, because there's nowhere else for it to go but push it away from that spot. So no matter how I comb it, no matter, I mean, I have to pretty much pin back the section and then it still just splits. So self-conscious quite a bit, <laughs> but I am also super thankful. And that's more or less what I want to be remembered from this podcast. Obviously, first of all, if you have any spots on you you're concerned with, get them checked out. Simple as that. Um, if you are diagnosed with skin cancer, um, there are multiple types. My type was the best type of skin cancer to have because it doesn't spread. Um, I believe melanoma is the type that does. Um, and I, I have a friend that had that. Um, so I'm super thankful that I had the best case scenario with the situation. Um, I am super thankful that I didn't have to go through chemo and radiation and lose all of my hair. Um, I'm super thankful that my journey with it is over, you know, unless I find something new that comes up. Um, so it's not all negative. However, if someone is going through this and they feel, you know, the trauma, the, I mean, just anything, you feel anything, just know that your feelings are valid because although I'm thankful that I didn't have the other type of skin cancer or I'm thankful that I didn't have breast cancer or something worse, something deadly, um, it still doesn't change the fact that I went through a traumatic experience and that I'm still to this day um, not fighting with but, but feeling the repercussions of. So wear a sunblock, wear a hat, get spots checked out, and then know that it is okay to turn to others when you need them. And, you know, this is easy for me to say because I do it, but um, just being vocal. Um, I went through this whole thing quiet until it was over because I think part of me didn't want to shed light on it. Maybe it wasn't true if I didn't talk about it. Um, part of me just didn't want people to worry or feel sorry for me. Um, and part of it was just that I felt like I needed to stay strong and get through it and basically pretend like it never happened. And that is obviously not something that I would want my friends or family to do. So speak up. And remember that your feelings are valid. That was part of my issue is I just felt like, hey, it's just skin cancer. You know, it's not worth talking about. There are people, you know, having bigger issues and bigger problems right now. So I kind of discounted my own feelings on it, which wasn't fair to me. So talk about it. Talk to people. Reach out. 
So the moral of the story here is get anything checked you're concerned with. I did end up going back in again and got a spot on the tip of my nose biopsied. I realized one day I've always had like this dry patch on it that I pick at and it'll come back. Sometimes it goes away by itself. I had seen a dermatologist for it at one point and uh, there was a cream they gave me that, that seemed to keep it away, but I did realize it was the same characteristics of what was on my head. So I had a light bulb moment and thought I should probably have it checked out. So we did biopsy that and it came back as just some kind of medical term of dry skin caused from friction um, and irritation, mostly because we're wearing masks so often now that it's just irritating that spot on my nose. Um, the doctor said if I just keep it moisturized, I should be good. Um, I'm terrible about wearing lotions. I think they feel disgusting. Uh, my whole pregnancy, I didn't even put lotion on my belly. I was sadly just going to take the stretch marks because I cannot stand the feeling of slimy, nasty lotion. <laughs> it grosses me out right now just thinking about it. However, she said if I just keep that little spot moisturized, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh... Sadly, I got the biopsy done the same day I finally got my hair done after being stuck in quarantine this whole time. So after already talking about having, you know, being self-conscious about my hair, I was finally able to go in and get my hair done and feel good about myself. And the same day, she cut two pieces off the tip of my nose. And I couldn't even take a selfie to show off my new hair because I looked like Rudolph with a bloody nose. Uh, it is all healed now, thankfully. And we are moving forward. I have no other spots. She did check a bunch of stuff. She is going to have me do this gel where you put it on your skin and you do two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, and it kind of brings out any problem areas. If anybody's ever done it, please reach out to me and let me know how it worked for you. Uh, I'm kind of waiting. I know now, now is actually probably the best time to do it because we're stuck at home again out here, but... I also, I guess, just don't know what to expect. So if you've gone through that, let me know, please. I'd love to hear uh, your experience on it. But again, everybody, have a great day. And until next time, XOXO.